Welcome to the Well-Balanced 360 Podcast, where we dive into the latest and best tips on medicine and spirituality to help you master your health and overcome your fears so that you can feel your absolute best. I'm your host, Dr. Shivani, a licensed medical doctor, a yoga nerd, and a wellness enthusiast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here. Now let's dive in. On this episode, I'm joined by the lovely Dr. Susan Hackenmiller, who's a physician and author. She's board certified in both OBGYN and integrative medicine. Dr. Hackenmiller's personal experiences of being outdoors drove her to explore nature as a healing modality, not only for herself, but also her patients and community. She is the award-winning author of The Outdoor Adventures Guide to Forest Bathing, published in 2019. Dr. Hackenmiller and I sit down and discuss the importance of forest bathing and what the heck forest bathing actually even is. Welcome, Dr. Hackenmiller. I'm so, so excited to have you on on this topic of forest bathing. Thank you. It's great to be here. Of course. Thank you for coming on again. Actually, before we get into the topic of forest bathing, can you just give a background of yourself and how you even got into this as nature? It's pretty circuitous, actually, as you might imagine. So yeah, I started out my career as a conventional OBGYN doctor. You can probably imagine that that involved lots of hours of work. And I started out in this big practice with nine physicians, and then through a bunch of changes and life happening for various different people, shortly thereafter ended up working in a critical access hospital, a 25-bed hospital in rural Iowa doing OBGYN. And although you might not think that would be very busy, it was very, very busy. And I found myself on call most of the time. I would sometimes have a partner, but I ended up on call every other night for eight years. Delivering babies, as you know, usually happens in the middle of the night. So I had two small kids, one of whom was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. I was married to a man named Dave, who ended up being diagnosed with stage four lung cancer in 2008. So in the process of dealing with trying to figure out a career, dealing with some pretty significant burnout by about 2007, trying to raise a couple of kids and then deal with a husband with terminal cancer, it got to be quite a bit, as you can imagine. I started asking a lot more questions about medicine and what we are doing for our patients whether the only tools we have for dealing with illness really are pharmaceutical drugs and surgery, which was all I had been trained to use. I also started asking questions about how and why we are seeing these diagnoses with increasing incidents, such as autism and lung cancer and a non-smoker, and why these two diseases, conditions that were affecting my loved ones and also my patients and dealing with women, for example, dealing with menopause who were begging for relief. And we had just gone through dealing with the women's health initiative study and taking all of our menopausal patients off of hormones and they were all miserable. And I just was asking, what else can we offer people? Isn't there more? And I had no tools, no knowledge for how to even find more tools. And then I ended up hearing Dr. Andrew Weil speak at a conference in 2010. And that was the first time I had ever heard of integrative medicine. It was a completely foreign concept to me. And in fact, people who knew me prior to this time, many of them 
were surprised when I took this major tangent towards studying integrative medicine because I had been really a very conventionally minded physician up until that point. And so I learned that Dr. Weil had started a fellowship in integrative medicine through the University of Arizona. And immediately I applied and decided that was the direction I wanted to go. I deferred for a couple of years because of my husband's health. And then in 2012, right before he passed away, in fact, he insisted that I go. And I started the fellowship, completed it in January of 2014, and really have never looked back. I studied herbal medicine for a couple years after that with Dr. Tirone Lodog, but it was because of my husband's death in 2012 that I found myself as just reeling as this shell of a human being trying to figure out what to do next. I was completely burned out from my practice of medicine. I ended up leaving the position I was in at that time, trying to take care of my kids and my stepkids and my husband's business and all of these things. And for relief, I just found that I needed to be outside. And at first it was all about the adrenaline rush. And as an OBGYN, I'm probably a self-diagnosed adrenaline junkie, but at first I felt like I needed to be running or mountain biking or doing things fast (laughs) outdoors. And then slowly I started to realize and remember that obviously we need balance. I had been practicing yoga for a number of years by that time and realized that we can have the adrenaline rush, but we absolutely need to balance it. And then I discovered this idea of forest bathing in 2014. And this is a long-winded answer to your question, but kind of giving you the gist and the quick overview. Discovered that forest bathing was a thing. I started experimenting with it at workshops that I was leading and found that people really, really resonated with it and were healed and helped by this practice. I later became formally certified as a forest therapy guide and have worked in this realm ever since. I've served on a number of boards and organizations as medical director, the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. I continue to work with the company All Trails as their medical director. So it's just kind of evolved. And I do now a lot of speaking on the subject. As you know, I have a book, The Outdoor Adventurer's Guide to Forest Bathing. So that was my way of kind of marrying the adrenaline and the quiet contemplative practice of forest therapy. So there, that was it. That's kind of the last 20 years in a nutshell. (laughs) What a journey, right? And you and I talked about this a little bit prior to getting on this podcast. I also went through burnout and being an OBGYN, I mean, you were an OBGYN, you still are. For me, I went through family medicine, but I had heavy OBGYN training and it's tough. Those babies do come out at night or when you least expect them, when there's something else going on in the hospital, (laughs) all of a sudden you're being called to the OBGYN floor (laughs) to deliver (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) So I can definitely resonate with that burnout. And even for me, I'm not really practicing clinical medicine. And for me, like to de-stress, it really is nature. I mean, I'm at the beach right now. After this talk, I'm going to go on a beach walk. And we'll get into all that, but forced bathing, what exactly do you mean by that? I mean, are we talking yeah. like, I have a friend who hugs trees, is, <laughs> so, and it works for her. It's great. It does work. So is that what we're talking about? 
Like what's it, the definition of it? Yeah. Well, it's funny when I started offering forest bathing walks back in 2016 in Iowa, you can imagine how this went. So Iowa is not one of the most forward thinking places. And so people thought I was certifiably nuts. And fortunately, I started offering them at a Franciscan retreat center. So people there were very open-minded and people would see this on the schedule and they would call and say, do people wear clothes for this? (laughs) Should we bring our swimsuits? They were just completely baffled. And I'm sure tons of people thought I was seriously nuts and wondered what we were doing exactly out in the woods. So forest bathing and forest therapy, we use those terms interchangeably, but forest bathing is translated from the Japanese term shinrin-yoku. And it was a term that was coined in the 1980s in Japan by a couple of doctors, Dr. Lee and Dr. Miyazaki, who recognized that their patients were increasingly struggling from mental health issues in the 80s depression and anxiety incidence was high. The rate of suicide was astronomical. And so they started wondering if perhaps part of it was the stress of just being in the city and the chaos and the lights and the sounds and the fast paced everything and wondered if they simply took their patients outside of the city to a forested area about an hour outside of Tokyo, if they would have improvement in their mental health. So they did. They started taking people out to nature and they guided them to take nature in in a very quiet, mindful way, just noticing through their senses what they were experiencing. And they would take their participants on sometimes three day, two night excursions. And so obviously you can have a long forest therapy experience, but we also do walks that are about two and a half to three hours. And have found that people derive significant benefit from that. So doctors Lee and Miyazaki took data on their participants, starting from the very beginning, looking at all kinds of questionnaires related to their mental health. And they also looked at physical parameters like blood pressure and pulse and heart rate variability, blood sugar, they looked at their saliva and measured the levels of stress hormones, cortisol and alpha amylase, and found that all of these things improved after just slowing down in nature in this very mindful, quiet, contemplative way. So the practice has been adapted a little bit and changed, I'm sure, by different people, but a man by the name of Amos Clifford started training people as guides in the United States to be able to take people out on these forest therapy walks. And so he formed the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, which is the organization that I became certified through and served as their medical director for a number of years. So now people can find guides throughout the country and throughout the world even who are certified to take people out on these forest therapy or forest bathing walks. That's incredible. So it sounds like you're taking people out just on a walk with trees all around or? Yeah, it's more than a walk. And I have now guided forest therapy in numerous different states, different seasons of the year. I've done it in snow. I've done it with snowshoes, done it in the rain. I've done forest bathing in kayaks and on bikes and 
all kinds of different things. I've done it in forests, in deserts, on beaches, in tropical areas. In fact, one time I guided a forest therapy walk in Philadelphia outside the city hall on concrete. And believe it or not, we were still able to have an experience. I always say you can do this really anywhere, including at home with a potted plant, if that's your only element of nature. And so we always say that forest bathing is not a hike. It's not for exercise. It's not a nature identification walk. It's really a guided way to most literally take nature in through the various senses. And so through the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy, we were taught to use what we refer to as a standard sequence, where we take people very slowly and systematically from their everyday kind of monkey mind state, our conscious state that we're in right now having this conversation, we take them out of this state and into what we refer to as the liminal state, which is kind of a dreamlike state, kind of an almost meditative state. And then we bring them back out of it at the end. And so we go through a series of what we refer to as invitations, where we invite the participants to do different things that allow them to just notice nature in a different way or to take it in in a different way. And so Yes, sometimes we'll do tactile invitations and one might involve something that people would refer to as tree hugging. (laughs) (laughs) But some amazing healing happens to people when they go outside of their comfort zone. And that's something we say that we hope that our participants will reach the edge of their comfort zone. And that's where the magic always happens. And so you might feel a little uncomfortable hugging a tree, but we find that when people put aside their inhibitions and do just take the time to maybe put their hands on a tree, wrap their arms around a tree, take in the fragrance of the tree, notice the textures and the temperature and the vibrations and all of these different things in this really quiet kind of sensory way that it can be really healing both emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically for people. I've actually done that here in Los Angeles. Even though I was on the beach, I took off my shoes and I went up to the closest tree I saw. I hugged it and it was super grounding. Like I had my shoes off, my hands on the tree. And a couple of guys that were not too far away from me were like, wow, we don't know what you're doing, but that seems cool. And so another guy did the same thing. And he's like, this is amazing. That is so awesome. I love it. And you've probably heard that there really is some research about grounding. And we talk about antioxidants and how important they are for dealing with free radicals in the body. And these free radicals are caused by toxins in our food and our environment and all these different things. And when we develop free radicals, we're predisposed to tissue degeneration and the aging process and even tumor development. So we always talk about how people should take antioxidants in the form of supplements. So there's all this talk about taking vitamin A and vitamin E and vitamin C and or getting them fresh vegetables and fruits. And yet just being outdoors in nature with your shoes off, coming into contact with the ground even has an antioxidant effect. So it's pretty amazing that for 300,000 years, we evolved outdoors. And it's really only been in the last couple hundred years that we've become these indoor beings. So we evolved to be in nature and to be a part of nature. And you kind of already explained this, but what is the science 
for nature bathing, forest bathing, or just being outside in general? Is it helping our microbiome? What is it doing exactly? Yeah, that certainly is helping our microbiome. One study, for example, looked at coming into contact with the bacteria, the mycobacterium vacae that are found in soil. And one study found that mice that were exposed to this bacteria navigated a maze two times faster than those that were not exposed to it. And so just coming into contact with the soil helps us with cognition and memory and things like that. And the microbiome is part of that. So we know that that's definitely part of it. We know that just being out in nature, we inhale and ingest little particles from the soil that contain this bacteria. We know that there are chemicals emitted from plants called phytoncides, and these are part of the essential oils. And we know that just breathing in the fragrances of nature, especially trees and plants, especially the coniferous plants that we ingest, we inhale these phytoncides. And phytoncides have been found to help protect against bacteria and viruses, which is certainly important and timely to talk about, obviously. We know that phytoncides even help our body to produce more natural killer cells that help to fight bacteria and viruses and even cancer cells. And they found one of Dr. Lee's studies, who I mentioned before, found that natural killer cells rose both in number and in level of activity after spending time forest bathing through one of his three-night, two-day forest bathing excursions. And this natural killer cell rise was found to stay elevated for not only seven days after that experience, but for 30 days afterwards. So to me, that's really remarkable. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the recent studies have found that just 20 minutes in a nature activity of your choice increases salivary alpha amylase, that stress hormone I mentioned before. We know that spending time in nature reduces rumination in the mind. They've looked at functional MRI studies of patients' brains after being out in nature and found that they have quieter signal in the area of the prefrontal cortex that deals with that rumination or stress. When you're under stress and you just can't stop thinking or worrying or perseverating or ruminating about a stressful topic, it's just going round and round in your head they found that just spending time in nature actually reduces that tendency to ruminate. And they followed that by these functional MRI studies of the brain. So some really sophisticated studies looking at the effects of nature. That's fascinating. And I know you being a physician, I do this too. You actually have a prescription pad where you're prescribing forest bathing. I do it in conjunction with meditation. What does that look like for you? Is it the same for everybody? Is there like a particular time that you recommend? Is it different for your patients that are pregnant? What exactly are we looking at? I know. Well, it does evolve and it has changed throughout my practice quite a bit. I was involved with Dr. Robert Zarr, who founded Park Rx America, and he prescribes going to parks for his pediatric patients. We co created a continuing medical education program for physicians about this very idea of prescribing nature. And so I don't typically see pediatric patients. I typically mostly see women. And I also have part of my practice is integrative medicine. And so obviously we get into nature more in those visits, but 
I do try to tailor my prescription to my patient. I wouldn't say that every single patient encounter I have for somebody who comes in for a quick gynecologic visit, do I get into a conversation about nature, but it does come up fairly frequently, more frequently than probably one would expect, where I will perhaps ask them how much time they spend outdoors. And sometimes I'll literally write it on a prescription pad and we'll come up with what seems like a reasonable prescription for them. Like what would an activity outdoors look like for you that you would enjoy? For some people, it's exercise. For some people, it's bird watching, you name it. And so we want to find something that they enjoy doing or it's not going to happen. And we talk about what an appropriate frequency would be, just like we would talk about the frequency of taking a pharmaceutical pill. And then we talk about where, so where, what, how often, and of course, a dose and a frequency, and of course, refills, unlimited (laughs) refills on this prescription. But yeah, I've written it out for people. I've talked about it informally with patients. I've had patients who we talked about just getting outside in nature on a regular basis. And one came back and said, you know, I've been dealing with anxiety and OCD for my entire life. Without question, the most helpful prescription anyone has ever given me was to go outside and take a regular walk outside. And she said, this has helped me more than all of the other things, all of the prescriptions, all of the psychological therapy or counseling that she's been through. She said, this has single-handedly helped more than anything anybody's ever prescribed to me. So it's so simple that we often think, well, how could a doctor be prescribing nature therapy? For goodness sake, that's ridiculous. And yet it works. So we don't have to make it so difficult. (laughs) Out of curiosity for that patient that had anxiety and OCD, do you happen to know how often and how long she was walking outside? Yeah, I think she really committed to as most days of the week, trying to get out and taking a 20, 30 minute, if she had more time, an hour long walk, but she had four young kids. And so sometimes it was putting them in the stroller. Sometimes it was walking with them. If she could, she would try to get away for 20, 30 minutes on a solo walk, but it's all about adapting it to what works for you. I think often, especially as parents of young children, we think, well, I don't have time for that. That's ridiculous. Pack up your kids and make them part of your therapy, part of your prescription. Not to mention it's going to be great for them. Yes. The best thing we can do for our kids is model healthy behavior. 100% agree. And for me, like I said earlier, I'm about to go do a walk after this conversation on the beach, but I will be honest. I, when I go on my walks, even though it's the beautiful beach right there, I always have my music on because it just pumps me up. So I'll half walk, half run. And I know that nature therapy, technically we should be unplugging. So can we just discuss this? Because (laughs) we absolutely can discuss this. So I'm with you. I used to always run with headphones and sometimes I still do. I will often run listening to an audio book or something. I've tried to break it up though. So yeah, sometimes I do that because I enjoy it, but also sometimes I specifically don't. And I talked about this in my book quite a bit. How can we create a forest therapy invitation during our exercise or our outdoor adventure? So sometimes when I'm running or walking, I'll play games as I go using nature And so I'll say, okay, for the next five minutes, I'm going to focus on the smells. I'm going to focus all of my attention 
on the fragrances as I'm running or walking or whatever, riding my bike. And then after that, or however long until I get bored with that, I'll change it to another sense. And I'll say, I'm going to focus on the sounds for the next however many minutes. And I'll notice both man-made and natural sounds. I'll try to specifically seek out the sounds of birds or nature on your beach walk. You can focus on the sounds of the waves and allow yourself to be accepting when you also hear an airplane overhead or traffic or those things, because we also use those methods for transportation. And so I think sometimes we want to have this pristine nature experience. And so we feel angry or whatever, if it's interrupted by sounds of man-made devices and things. And so, yeah, I'll say, I'm going to look for all the different colors, or I'll say, I'm going to name five things I can smell or go through like five things I can hear, five things I can see, or I'll search for different textures or I'll touch different things. Sometimes when I'm running, like in the fall where I am, we have falling leaves of different colors. And so I'll play like a game of hopscotch where I'm just going to step up on the red leaves. (laughs) It's very childlike though. And there's something that's so good for us when we quit being so adult-like and just allow ourselves to kind of play outside again. And I often find when I do that, that my run goes much better and much faster. I spend much less time annoyed and sick of running and tired and short of breath and focusing on all the miseries that I'm experiencing. And I find that I'm just having this kind of joyful, fun, playful time. Last time I actually, when I went on my walk, I found a swing. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go swing for a little bit and listen to the waves. It was actually such a beautiful experience. It took me back to my childhood. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Basically what you're saying is you don't need to feel bad if you have your phone, just try to find ways to like unplug for a little bit. And I like how you said, make it fun, you know, use a game. So to be fair, I don't think it's a good idea especially for women, but probably for anybody to go outside in nature without their phone, because for safety reasons, if something happens, you want to be able to call for help. I also think there are a number of apps and devices that cell phones can use that are very helpful. I think I mentioned that I do some work for all trails and all trails is an example of an app that you can use for all kinds of different helpful things. And then you can put it away. You can use it for the map, for trail conditions, for all these different things. And then you can put it back in your pocket and enjoy nature, but you can still have it with you for safety and for all the other reasons. So I don't think it's a bad idea to have a phone with you, but yeah, spending some time detached from it. You see people outside all the time, just walking along, staring (laughs) at their phones. It's like, oh my gosh, put it in your pocket and just notice (laughs) what's outdoors around you. We're all guilty of that. We are. And I've actually seen someone recently just were so glued to their phone that they bumped in, literally bumped into a Yes, There have been all kinds of accidents of people who've fallen into holes and died from having their face buried in their phone. So yeah, it's a good idea to not do that. But also, aside from the safety feature, like notice your surroundings. Take a moment. Have you noticed with COVID and the pandemic this past year that people have been outdoors more or has it been less? Well, so there's been some research into it. At first in the pandemic, there was a huge exponential rise in people going outdoors. 
And then it did seem to fall, according to the parks people I talk to who study and look at these kinds of things. And so there is this sense that there are more people using the trails. And of course, that can be a problem because there's overuse and littering and things like that. But I do think a lot of people have found that being outside in nature is a safe place to be. We know that COVID spreads much easier indoors. So there is kind of this lovely remembrance that being outside is healthy. I was just on a call before this talking to another physician friend, and we were talking about tuberculosis and the history of TB was that they would send people out to these sanitariums where they would be outdoors in nature, outdoors in open air to heal their tuberculosis. And about a hundred years later, we've forgotten that that was the treatment for an airborne disease. It's kind of interesting that we already know this. We know what we need to be healthy. We know that nature is healing both as healers. And also I think people inherently know this. For someone who's like in complete cold weather, doesn't want to go outside or somebody that's living in an apartment that really doesn't have a backyard or isn't in close proximity to a national park, what do you recommend they do for for nature therapy? Great question. And I've written about this in some different articles that are on my website. Well, first of all, I live in Iowa currently. (laughs) (laughs) And our winters are terrible. Well, most of our seasons are terrible for whatever different reason. So winter, I personally have decided that I can't live without being outside. And so that means I just have to suck it up and get the appropriate gear to be able to go outside in all of the different elements. I personally think that is really important wherever you live to be able to safely and comfortably be dressed and prepared to just go outside. I do all these walks. I've done walks in snow and I've done walks in rain. And it's funny how often people come to me and they'll say, remember when we did that forest bathing walk and it rained the entire time? And I almost didn't come because it was raining and the forecast looked like the rain would stop. And so we went ahead and did it and it rained the entire time. And there's this one walk in particular that people constantly come back and talk about and they all unanimously agreed that it was just life-changing to spend three hours outdoors in the woods in the rain and it was this memorable healing amazing experience for people that they haven't forgotten kind of like you're swinging in the waves like you have these experiences and they're memorable so I do think we have a tendency to be afraid of being outside when the weather is not perfect when all the variables are not perfect. We come up with excuses of why we can't do it. But to your point about people who live in cities who don't have access, we don't have a national park in our state at all. We have some great state parks and community parks, but especially during COVID, people in some cases weren't leaving their homes. And so then how can you find nature? And I did a lot of experimenting and also some writing about nearby nature and this idea that there's nature everywhere. You might live in the middle of the city and think you have no nature, but you can have a potted plant, a flower or a plant and do an entire, I've done it. I've spent 30 minutes just forest bathing with a potted plant. (laughs) And when you spend that much time just noticing a potted plant, there's an entire microcosm of this whole ecological system and a potted plant that I had no idea was there. 
I've forest bathed on a sidewalk next to a construction site, just sitting there looking at a dandelion and an anthill for 30 minutes and was able to have a memorable healing experience with that. Just again, noticing, just sitting. There's this invitation in forest therapy we refer to as sit spot, which is just 20 minutes, 20 minutes with nature. It can be in a beautiful setting. It can be in a park. It can be in your backyard. It can be with a potted plant. It can be looking out the window if that's the best you can do. But 20 minutes with no agenda other than to just notice what you notice. And I think if people would take that prescription and try it, people often discover that it's very healing. In the world, I feel would be such a calmer place. (laughs) I agree. So what are your top tips for healing with nature? That would be one. Just carve out some time. We're busy people. I know that if I don't schedule something, it's probably not going to happen. So I schedule exercise. I schedule time to do yoga. I schedule time for nature. I put it in my calendar. I make it important. I schedule when I make plans to get together with a friend, I often suggest that we go for a walk. Even if we get coffee, let's go walking somewhere outdoors. Just trying to find little places and ways to squeeze nature in into our regular day. So so thing one, I guess, would be schedule it, make it a priority. Thing two, incorporate sit spot. Take 20 minutes by the clock once or twice a week at minimum to just go outside, even if it's with a potted plant, even if it's inside with a potted plant, even if it's with a dandelion and an anthill to notice nature for 20 minutes and just see what you see and hear and smell and maybe journal about it. That can be really something too. If you can't do 20 minutes, take five minutes. One study found that when college students took five minutes sitting on a park bench with their phone turned off, just sitting outside that they had improvements in nearly all parameters of mental health, just five minutes on a park bench as compared with the control group who just sat in a indoor lab without windows for five minutes. So, you know, just taking five minutes just to be outside or look outside or gaze outside, I think is healing. So I think we talk in my nature circles about kind of this pyramid of nature. Like if a couple times per year, you can take a trip to an amazing setting, a national park, something of that nature, do it. But then in small little doses, we need little increments of nature daily in our lives. I love all those tips. And it's just five minutes, like you said, can really just change your attitude or your feeling from being stressed to calm. Right. That's incredible. We can all find five minutes, even during the day. It's easy to just sit inside on your lunch break, on your phone, but why not just take it outside and just give yourself five minutes of detachment from your phone, even if it's sitting on a bench outside your workplace or something, or walking on the sidewalk, even if it's walking in the parking lot, just noticing the trees. It's kind of amazing what you will see when you do that. And I love asking this to my guests, especially given the nature of the world right now. And you do such a great job with nature therapy and calming your body and your nerves. But what are you most excited about this upcoming year? 
Wow. Well, it keeps kind of being tempered, I guess, because we keep thinking, oh, maybe we're done with COVID and <laughs> oh, maybe we're not. I mean, it's just such a roller coaster. Gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to be able to go back to some of the group activities that were put on hold and all became virtual. I do a lot of outdoor groups things, whether it's forest bathing or biking groups or things like that. I'm getting ready to do a retreat in Northern Minnesota for physicians dealing with burnout. And it was supposed to be a year ago at this time and was postponed. And we just met. I'm so excited. I am surprised by how excited I am to be able to do an in-person retreat in a beautiful nature setting on the topic of nature as a healing modality for physicians dealing with burnout. Your job sounds incredible. Doing Other healthcare professionals. Being a spokesperson for nature therapy. I need to jump on this bandwagon. <laughs> I wish you could join us. There are a couple of spots available because a couple of people had to cancel. So if you want to hop on a plane and join us, I'll send you the info. Wonderful. <laughs> I may take you up on it. Where can people find more about your work, your books, and just you in general if they want to work with you? Well, thank you. I do have a little website. It's integrativeinitiative.com. I'm on all the social media, either Integrative Initiative or Doc Susie, S-U-Z-Y. My book is The Outdoor Adventurer's Guide to Forest Bathing by Falcon Guides, Falcon Books. It's available online at all the places in some brick and mortar stores. And I always love it when people either reach out on social media or by email and tell me that they're using my book or they send a picture of it or they post it on Instagram or something that it just makes my day when people give me feedback that they're enjoying it, that they've been forest bathing on their bike or <laughs> something like that. So, well, so yeah, I would love to hear from your listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and for everything you do. Get outside guys. She said it on the podcast. Doctor's <laughs> orders. Yes, only five minutes as well. Thank you again. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Well Balanced 360 podcast. I'm truly grateful for all of you and excited to have you join me on this health and wellness journey. Please be sure to stay connected with me over at drshivaniamin.com or any of my social media platforms. If you found this episode to be helpful, I would truly appreciate it if you would also hit that subscribe button and make sure to tell all your friends so you don't miss any future episodes. I'll catch you next week.